think you all know what that sound is. Yes, it's finally time. Took a little bit of a hiatus. Beautiful sunny morning. Sunny Saturday morning. March 20th, 2021. to be alive. Sitting here by myself on this quiet morning. Enjoying the silence in the house. Gonna try and get a couple things off my chest today. Trying to do a couple of different ideas. Hope y'all don't mind. Don't have a whole lot to say right now. I mean, during the theme. Looking forward to getting back to talking to y'all. I hope you missed me. Welcome y'all to another edition of Thoughts from a Lawnmower with Will Rouser. And uh, you have, I'm sure, noticed that I have been out of the loop for a little bit. I haven't really been out of the loop so much. I just haven't done any podcasts. Uh, I've just been kind of taking a little bit of break. We're trying to reassess a couple of things. And uh, I'm trying to trying to do some new ideas, some new uh, new ways to, to, to format this, if you will, and try and be a little bit more concise, although those of you know me that uh, <clears throat> I'm quite a verbose person, and uh, it's hard for me to keep things concise. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I want to kind of dive into a couple of things that have been uh, on my mind for actually for a little bit for quite a while and I've been trying to figure out how to present them uh, as I've as I've said numerous numerous times ad nauseum that uh, this podcast is about what I think on certain things and I want to preface anything 
preface all that I'm going to talk about today with this idea that uh, I'm not interested in making enemies. I'm not interested in calling people out. I'm not interested when I, when I have when I have guests on. They're generally guests that um, uh, agree with me or I agree with them. Uh, on numerous issues, but we don't agree on everything. We're not a hundred percent in agreement with everything. But I, when I bring guests on, and there's no guests today, by the way, uh, but when I bring guests on, you might get the impression it's all a love fest, and it's all uh, we're all in one hundred percent agreement about everything, and we're not. But we don't have to be in complete agreement to be friends and to uh, to influence one another and for them to uh, have something to influence me with. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't have disagreements with these individuals. Uh, some of them are very, very small. Most of them are very small. Uh but I'm not interested in, even with people that I do disagree with, I'm not necessarily interested in calling them out. That's not what this uh, podcast is about. Uh, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a. Uh, uh, I'm not an investigative journalist. I'm not a. Uh, it's not my job to hold truth to power, so to speak. Uh, however, there are some things that I see in various areas well let me back up uh, even, I don't even want to call out my quote unquote enemies uh, people that I have nothing in common with that's, I, that's not what this forum is about I have done that but not on this forum uh, I'm not interested in trying to make more enemies what I am interested in doing is expressing my my thoughts and opinions without having the uh, inconvenience, without to some extent, without challenge. Uh, there, there is a time and a place for that, but this here is for the expression of what I think. And you may not agree, and that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. Um, and you don't even have to like me. And I just say that, I've said it before, if you don't like what you're hearing out of me, if you don't agree, that's your, you know, you have every right to not listen. You have every right to disregard what I say. Uh, I won't be offended because I won't even know, uh, generally speaking. Uh, but I'm also not interested in alienating uh, listeners. That's that's not my goal, is to alienate anybody. But I realize that we're going to have that regardless. That, that That's going to happen. You express an opinion and you're going to alienate somebody. Somebody's not going to like what you have to say. Uh, I don't remember what 
it was, I remember a comedy sketch, I think it was, or a, it was a um, uh, sitcom or something like that. It was ages ago. It might have been Three's Company or um, the show Alice. I don't know if you guys remember the comedy Alice. But anyway, um, I remember there was a situation in this comedy where for some reason the our our protagonist had a had an antagonist had somebody who uh didn't like him would constantly berate him belittle him uh you know he just he didn't like our our protagonist this 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 the antagonist didn't like the protagonist I guess it's fitting to have those titles. And um, finally, our, our, our character, our main character, confronted his antagonist. And he said, what is it that I've done? Why don't you like me? What is it I've done? And the guy said, uh, nothing. You haven't done anything. So, well, then why don't you like me? You can't like any, everybody. You can't like everybody. Now, when I was younger, I was like, well, that's, that's bizarre. But I've come to the realization that there's a lot of truth in that. You can't like everybody. Everybody just can't like you. And uh, I've grown to be at peace with that notion that, you know what, not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to want to be around you. And it's, they're just personalities that just don't jive. I, I've exp I experienced this um, on the job. You know, over the years that I've been working, since, since I started working, you're just going to find people who are just not going to like you for various reasons. And they're not always illegitimate reasons. Sometimes you're a jerk. You know, I know, I know my listeners would find it hard to believe, but I've been a jerk. I've been unlikable and not, not realized that I was being a jerk. And I'm sure that there are probably some people out there who've listened to my podcast going, yeah, this guy's a jerk and that's okay. Um, but there are just people that I, for whatever reason, and and they're they're not always legitimate reasons. They just don't like you. You can't let that crush your world. You can't let that stop you. I'm not saying that you should be a butthole just to be a butthole and disregard it when people don't like you. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you need to uh, you need to purposely alienate people. What I am saying is that. You're going to alienate people no matter what you do. So if you're going to alienate people, at least do it for the right reasons. You know, if you're going to alienate people, if people are going to be, uh, I, I should say, choose to be alienated, if they can choose to be offended, at least let them be offended over truth. Let them be offended over uh, integrity. You know, if you're going to maintain your integrity and you're going to maintain your faithfulness and you're going to maintain your um, 
your steadfastness, uh, if you're going to remain steadfast, uh, well, there's going to be people that aren't going to like you. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I, you know, as, as a matter of fact, if there are going to be people that hate you, let them hate you over truth. Now, there's going to be people who are going to hate you regardless of what the truth is, and it doesn't really matter what the truth is. But what I'm saying is that you, we've all got to come to the place of, I guess, comfort uh, in our lives and accept the fact that there are just going to be people out there that aren't going to like you. And I don't think that you should alter what you do what the noble things that you do, I don't think you should alter them just to be liked. I think that's one of the problems, oddly enough. I think that's one of the problems in um, that that the uh, Republicans in Congress have is that uh, they, at least at the time uh, during the time that I've been of voting age, which has been a long time now, that uh, the Republicans sometimes worry more about what the press is going to say about them rather than sticking to what they said they were going to do. I, I expect, and yes, this is a partisan rant a bit, but I expect the Democrats to... Uh, the, the leftists and the, and the liberals, I expect them to, to do what they say. I expect that. But the Republicans, you know, they come out and say, you know, we're against this and we're against that and, you know, we're going to do something about this. And then when they get into Congress, when they get, when they get elected, they seem to um, be more concerned with how the press is going to treat them, that they're going to be liked by the press. And I, uh, it's going to seem like I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit here and, and going all over the map, but I'm really trying to focus this. But I remember, a, uh, I remember back in 1994, I think it was, when, the, when Rush Limbaugh, God rest his soul, um, had addressed the freshman Republican uh, freshman Republicans uh, the newly elected Republicans and he said to them if I could boil it down because I don't remember every detail of it but the gist of it he's like look when you go in to do the business of the people that you've been elected to do he said, I'm telling you what, what's going to end up happening is the press is going to start trying to whine and dine you. They're going to try and uh, get in and, and pat you on the back and tell you congratulations and this, that, and the other. He said, you know, Cokie Roberts is going to want to uh, interview you, and they're going to take you out to dinner, and they're going to... Uh, appeal to your to your vanity and he said don't don't do it you know they're going to act like they like you but they don't 
they don't like you. The thing is, don't don't be fooled by this. Don't don't be fooled by their appearance of benevolence and 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 kindness. You know, I'm not saying be ugly to them. I'm saying that they're not interested in being nice to you. They're not interested in liking you. They're looking for something to nail you on. And he was right. He was absolutely right. Now I'm paraphrasing, of course. He he said it much much more concise and much uh, more eloquently than I ever could, but his point was was valid is that they're going to the the press and the the uh, the the I guess the speakers of the popular culture uh, they're going to try and make you feel comfortable and appeal to your your sense of fame and and sense you know oh, I'm a congressman now I'm I'm you know I get to walk the halls of power and now people are paying attention to me so don't fall for that don't let that woo you. Because what it will do is you'll become uh, more concerned with what the press says about you. And they're never going to say anything good. They're never going to say anything good because the press is essentially the mouthpiece for the Democrats. You know, uh, people in the press, I think it's like on the order of like 90... 90-something percent of people in journalism are Democrats. They're on the left. So why in the world would they paint you in a favorable light? And <clears throat> I've said all that to say this, is that it's, it's good to have friends. It's good to have people that like you. But Even the Bible talks about, uh, you know, the effects of bad company, and don't don't let. Uh, and of course, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the scripture right offhand. But there are passages of scripture that allude to don't don't be wooed by fine sounding words, and don't be uh, don't be uh, don't don't be lured by the the sweet taste of uh, sweet words that just that that kind of taste like honey but are end up being bitter I I know there are passages of scripture in the Proverbs uh, that that kind of allude to that over and over so that's the general thought of scripture don't don't get um, don't get don't allow yourself to be manipulated by uh, your sense of popularity and whatnot. And I know that's kind of a long introduction uh, to what I want to talk about in this particular episode. But um, I'm, I'm getting ready to kind of address something here that has been weighing on me for actually for years and uh, the thoughts were coalesced in a Facebook post, not by me, but by somebody else, who is a friend, 
and I want to say that I'm not I'm not calling this person's name. This person, uh, this person's a, a nice person, and they mean well. But I haven't addressed this since the post came out. It's been probably, um, it's been about it's been several months since this was posted. And uh, so I've sat on it, and I've kind of made some notes, and I've cogitated on it. I've I just kind of trying to figure out how to address this in such a way. This person, I'm not again. I'm not going to use their name. This person um, is not a bad person. This person is not a. Uh, uh, I understand their point, but I disagree with it. And I want to use the opportunity of their their post to address a couple of things. And uh, I want to stress that I'm not calling anyone out But I am going to express some disagreement with the premise of this this point and uh, of this I'm sorry of this of this post. <clears throat> and uh, I, I'm kind of dancing a little bit. I'm, I'm dancing around a little bit because I'm really, really trying to express that I'm not out to get anyone. I'm not out to. Um, I'm not trying to lay someone waste. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, which is why I'm not mentioning any names. And this person uh, that whose post I'm using that I am the that I'm using the thoughts behind it, or excuse me, the thoughts expressed in it. Uh, I want to stress that this person is uh, a nice person. So I'm going to I'm going to simply attack the premise not the person. Okay? So <clears throat> with that being said, probably too long. Um <clears throat> I'm I've kind of I've titled this with a question. Actually, it's two questions, but I've titled this. So, you hang out with all sinners? Or just a select few that happen to be popular. Okay, so that's kind of the title of this rant, if you will. That's the title of this um, this uh, monologue. And uh, so I'm going to read to you part portions of this this article, uh, portions of this this post. <clears throat> Quote: To all the people who ask me. If you're a Christian, then why are you friends with gays, non-Christians, and non-believers? Real Christians don't surround themselves with sinners. Now, I'm just going to stop there. Alright. I have never, ever been asked that question. I've never been asked that question. And presumably, this question comes from other Christians talking to her. Now, I'm not saying that it hasn't been asked. 
I'm not suggesting that she's telling a lie. I'm not suggesting that. But I think it's a bit hyperbolic. I think that she's probably misunderstanding the reason why people are asking this question, if they are indeed. I, I know, I, I've been a Christian for 50 years, close to 50 years, and I have not, I can't think of any time, I don't remember any time where somebody asked me, why am I friends with gays, non-Christians, and non-believers? Now, I have heard it said to some extent, the statement, real Christians don't surround themselves with sinners. I think that's a misunderstanding of that sentence. I think she's conflating, or excuse me, she's, she's combining the first question with the second question as if they're essentially the same a rephrasing of the same question <clears throat> there is the bible does say that and i'm going to refer to this later on uh, the bible does say that bad company corrupts good character the bible does say that and d- just for the record uh, let me stop and say that i realize that not everybody in my listening audience are Christians or religious, and that's if you're not, that's fine. Uh, you can listen to this and understand. I'm just trying to give an understanding of how Christians do operate, and and how or how they should operate within certain circumstances. And so I'm not. You don't have to be a believer to to understand the the point I'm trying to make. Uh, so I'm not trying to alienate anybody. And uh, if you're not, and, and again, there are going to be Christians who listen to this and are not going to agree with one word I say. Excuse me, that's fine. But anyway, um, there is a biblical statement, there's a biblical truth that good company corrupts bad care, or excuse me, Bad character corrupts. Stop again, William. Uh, bad company corrupts good character. That's that's how it goes. And that is a universal truth. You don't have to believe in the authority of Scripture to acknowledge that that is true. We see that in our society all the time. Uh, we we hear of children who fell under bad influence and they started making bad decisions because of the bad influence uh, in their lives. So yes, that's absolutely true. And real Christians, Christians who are dedicated to serving and following Christ and, and who uh, love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, yeah, they're going to avoid certain associations. So I agree with that statement. Real Christians don't surround themselves with sinners. Now, I want to be very careful. That word surround 
is key in this because I'm surrounded by quote unquote sinners. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna when we say sinners, I, I should say with non believers. Okay. With non Christians. But number one, we're surrounded by non believers every day. When you go to work, when you go to the store, your neighbors. We're surrounded by non believers. Okay? That's you live in the world, so you can't help but be surrounded by them. All right. I think here the word surround means avoiding them. It, or, excuse me. That saying real Christians don't surround themselves with sinners is means that real Christians should avoid sinners. And I don't agree with that. We shouldn't avoid sinners. What we should do is we should avoid sin. And there are times when we have, there are situations and times when we have to avoid people. All right. I, <clears throat> I know it seems like I'm contradicting myself, but understand something. Okay. I don't believe that Christians should allow their lives to be influenced by non-believers. I do think that there are associations you should avoid. I believe the Bible teaches that. Okay? I don't think, like, for example, I know people who smoke pot. There's going to be times when I'm going to be in situations where someone will whip out a joint and I happen to be in the vicinity. I happen to be at a person's house or whatever. You know, I'm not going to all of a sudden necessarily leave. However, it does depend on the situation. Are they going outside and doing it? You know, do I happen to be at a friend's house who maybe is not a believer and they're having a big gathering and they got some friends who, you know, some other friends who decide that they want to go and take a couple of tokes and they go outside in the backyard and they start taking a toke. Okay, I'll stay inside. I will stay away from that. But I'm not going to leave the party. And again, some of my Christian friends may hear that and go, really, you should be separating yourself. Well, I hate to break it to you, but I'm not going to do that. However, if it starts to get to a situation where I am uh, pressured, they, they start to pressure me into doing something that I don't want to do, well then, I'm going to respectfully and kindly excuse myself from the situation. Now, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And, you know, you guys have your fun. I need to go ahead and go on home. All right. I think that's the way to handle it. Now, there are going to be some times where I'm not going to go into a situation because I already know that that situation is not going to be a 
healthy uh, situation to be in. So making this statement, again, getting back to uh, my friend's statement here, I think she packs a lot into the statement for the sake of brevity, I guess. But she packs a lot into the statement that, well, quite frankly, I think uh, leads to a great misunderstanding of what both what she means and what the reality is. Okay, so anyway. So that's her premise, you know. The question being asked, if you're a Christian, then why are you friends with gays, non-Christians, and non-believers? Real Christians don't surround themselves with sinners. And I assume that that question that she is using as an illustration, I'm assuming that that means that she's being confronted or has been confronted for the kinds of associations that she has. And I also assume it's from uptight Christian types. All right. So anyway, she goes on to say, well, I'll be a son of a gun. Now here I am thinking Jesus died for us all because we are all sinners. I did not realize that when you become a Christian, it makes you perfect and a self-entitled, opinionated, self-righteous, judgmental pain in the butt. Well, then you learn something new every day. Now I want to stop there. <clears throat> okay. First of all, it is true. Jesus did die for us all, and it is true, we are all sinners. Okay, but that's kind of a blanket statement. Yes, we're all sinners. We all, in other words, we all have that condition. We're all born in the condition that we're, uh, that we are sinners. Okay, and Jesus died to forgive us of our sins. I agree with that. However, uh, saying that we are all sinners kind of makes an excuse for all sin. Well, because we're all sinners, we can't ever say that something is wrong. <clears throat> okay, and I'm going to elaborate on that in a little bit. She goes on, she says, I did not realize that when you became a Christian, it makes you perfect and a self-entitled, opinionated, self-righteous, judgmental, pain in the butt. Well, um, first of all, she's right, although she's being sarcastic, but first of all, she's right. Uh, becoming Christian does not make you perfect. Okay, we still have, as a matter of fact, becoming a Christian is the start of a new life. And we are going to make mistakes and errors. And I don't want to confuse mistakes and errors with sin, but we are going to make mistakes. We're going to make errors in judgment. We're going to make bad decisions. Because we're still imperfect. Okay? Becoming a Christian is realizing that you are lost and that there's nothing that you can do to make yourself found. 
There's nothing you can do to get yourself to heaven. There's no, there's no righteousness of your own. And that you submit to Christ, you submit your life to Christ, and he takes your sin and he does away with it. Okay? But you're still living in this body. You're still living in sinful flesh. And there is that there is that issue between the flesh and the spirit. When Jesus spoke about being born again, he said that we must be born by the spirit. Okay? Our flesh obviously is not reborn. But we have been reborn. Right? And when you got that reborn spirit in this sinful flesh, we're supposed to submit the flesh to the spirit. And Jesus even said, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to have a Sunday school class or a theology class, but she is right. Becoming a Christian does not make you perfect. But then she adds on, and a self-entitled, opinionated, self-righteous, judgmental, pain in the butt. Okay. Um, okay. <sighs> self-entitled. I, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. What are people who are asking you this question... How are they self-entitled? Okay. Uh, opinionated. Well, I, I got to tell you, there's plenty of non-believers who are opinionated. All right. And I don't recall anywhere where being opinionated is a sin. It can be annoying, but we also, you know, we pay people to be opinionated. You know, opinions aren't a bad thing. All right. And now, there are bad opinions. <laughs> there, are, uh, there are opinions with hidden agendas. But I don't, I'm not quite so sure that being opinionated is a bad thing. And I don't. I don't think that, you know, if you're an opinionated person before you become a Christian, and when you become a Christian, you're still going to be an opinionated person. All right? I, you know, that's a character thing. That's a, that's a trait. All right? Now, granted, you may have to, you may have to curb your tendencies towards certain things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those are bad. Maybe they're just, you know, out of proportion. All right? Self-righteous. I, I I've always found that 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 uh, that term self-righteous to be a little bit out of a disproportionate when applied to Christians. Okay, yes, it's true. Jesus is our righteousness. Okay. But saying that something is wrong or sinful 
does not make you self-righteous. Having a difference of opinion does not make you self-righteous. Okay? And it goes right along with the word judgmental. I am so sick of hearing that word. That word is thrown around so much. It's it's thrown around by non-Christians towards Christians because people don't like to have their sin called out. Well, heck, I don't like my sin called out. That's That's normal. That's a normal reaction. But the truth is that we make judgments all the time. And not all judgments are bad. I find that term judgmental to be, um, uh, I can't even think of the word that I'm looking for. I I find it um, accusatory. I guess the best word I can use. It's it's a malevolent term, the way it's used. Oh, we shouldn't make judgments? Because we're Christians now, we shouldn't make judgments? Uh, There's nowhere in the scripture that says we shouldn't make judgments. Yes, I am familiar with Jesus' words, you shall not judge lest ye be judged. But if you read all the Gospels where that's referred to, there there needs to be a little bit of context. But I'm not going to get on that part. I just, I think that that, uh, throwing out these terms, throwing out these accusations are a little, well, they're hyperbolic. They're, 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 they're amplified and distorted. <clears throat> and obviously she says, you know, pain in the butt. Well, to whom? They're, yes, we're not supposed to be pains in the butt. But sometimes we Christians are just because we exist. Okay. <clears throat> so she goes on. She sees. She says, I mean, last I checked, God never said hate someone because they are gay. They don't believe, they don't believe the same beliefs that I believe. Or they don't believe in God. Now, that's true. God never said that. God never said we're to hate someone because they are gay or because they don't share our beliefs or even because they don't believe in God. We're not supposed to hate people. I agree with that. That's true. However, she is apparently conflating the word hate with disassociation. There's plenty of people that I don't associate with. I don't hate them. But I can't associate with them for various reasons. I don't hate them. You know, I know plenty of gay people. I don't hate them. And I do associate with some of them. But disassociation and hate are not the same thing. Now, you, be, you will disassociate with people that you hate. That is true. But you will also disassociate yourself with people who are harmful in some way. Uh, I'm, I'm from, I know people who were former alcoholics 
who who are alcoholics. I you know I'm going to use the term former alcoholic, meaning that they formerly drank. Okay, I know the people would say that you know once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Okay, fine, but it's precisely because of that that those who now are former alcoholics will no longer go to places that serve alcohol as much as possible. They'll no longer go to the bar, no longer hang out with certain individuals who all they do is drink. And this is not a, this is not a temperance lecture. I'm just merely saying that there are people who, because they don't want to go back to their former lifestyle, will disassociate themselves with those who are still in that lifestyle. Not because they hate them, but because they can't get dragged back into whatever it is that they were enslaved to. That's not hate. Disassociation is not hate, okay? Or disassociating people that don't believe the same things that you believe. That's not hate either. Because there, there comes a point where you can have differences of opinion and you don't have to believe everything. I mean, I, they're, they're, like I said at the outset of this, of this podcast episode, I have tons of friends that I don't necessarily agree with on every issue. And I don't even think that's necessary. But there does come a place where your beliefs are so dichotomous, that they're so uh, opposite of each other, that you can't have any common ground for friendship or at least for a close relationship. And like I said also at the beginning, you're not going to like everybody and everybody's not going to like you. So just because somebody doesn't believe the same way I believe doesn't mean I hate them. It just means that I can't or don't want to associate with them. Now, there's there's always going to be certain circumstances where, I've, I've said this before, I've known people that are like, you know, I'm glad that this person is a Christian because if this person wasn't a Christian, we wouldn't have anything in common. We wouldn't have any, you know, we wouldn't agree on anything. At least we agree that Jesus is Lord. And by the way, I have some Christian friends that I don't want to associate with because maybe they've just got some uh, habits that aren't necessarily sinful. Just I find, how shall I say, distasteful. We'll say it like that. Not necessarily bad habits, but they're just, you know, if, if, if you have a friend who I'm trying to find, I'm struggling to find an example, but if you have somebody that, say, likes to put his feet on the coffee table, and when he comes to your house, he always wants to put his feet on your coffee table, and you tell him, hey, you know, I don't really want you to put your feet on my coffee table. And, oh, well, you know, I mean, it's it's okay. It's not a big deal. Well, then I don't care if you're a Christian. I don't, personally, I don't, I don't care about that, but I know in, uh, if I go to somebody's house, I've done it. Well, let's just use myself as an example. I've done this. I've gone to, I've gone to places and not thinking about it, you know, because I do. I kick my feet up on the coffee table here, and but I don't go to other people's houses and done it. When I was younger, I wasn't thinking about it, and I did that, and I got pulled to the side and said, "Hey, you know, I don't really like you doing that." Okay, cool. I, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Well, if you if I did realize it and I kept doing it. Well, then my friends, I love you, but you can't be here. So there are people that believe differently than I do. I don't hate them, but I don't want to associate with them. 
or and and she goes on to say or that they don't believe in God. Okay, I have tons of friends that don't believe in God. And yes, it's true. I don't hate them and I do associate with them. But there are times when I won't associate with them. You know, if I'll just give you an example. If I have a Muslim friend, that's fine. I'm not I'm not offended or scared about that. But I'm also not going to go I'm not going to go to the mosque. I'm not going to be worshiping with them. Now, if they get offended because I won't go to the mosque with them, well, that's not my problem. Is that I'm not going to a mosque. If they do, that's their thing. And when we're, you know, say if we're hanging out at some kind of public event or something like that, hey, hey, buddy, good to see you. Love you. But I'm not going to the mosque with you. And I would actually expect the same if they didn't want to go to church with me. If they did want to go to church with me, they would say, hey, can I go to church with you? Sure. I'm still not going to a mosque. I don't hate them, but I'm not going to. There are certain circumstances that I'm not going to compromise. Sorry. All right. Now, she goes on to say, However, I did read that we are to love everyone like Christ loves us. Okay, yes, that's true. We are to love everyone. She goes on to say, Yeah, I have people on my friends list that I do not agree with on what they believe. Okay, fair enough. They do things that I don't contone. Fair enough. But I will not shun or shame someone. Okay, let me stop there. Not interested in shaming anyone. As I said at the outset of this, uh, I'm not interested in shaming her for her opinion. However, I do believe that there are behaviors that should be shunned. And I think the fact that we have removed shame from most everything, I think that's been detrimental to our culture. I think there are things that should be people should be ashamed of. I think there are behaviors. I think there are actions. I think there are uh, words. I think that there are things that people should be ashamed of. And to some level, depending on the infraction, if you will, I think they should be shunned. I think a child molester should be shunned. I think a pornographer should be shunned. I think a rapist should be shunned. Now, you might be saying, well, are you associating with any of these people? Not that I'm aware of. But this is going to lead to a question that I'm going to have on down down the road. <clears throat> Let me go through this because I'm still ta- I'm taking a little longer than I probably ought to. Um, let me go on with her, what she says. Okay, they do things I don't condone, but I will not shun or shame them. I make it known what my beliefs are, but I also let them know I still love them even though we don't agree. And that's a good thing. I'm, you know, I'm glad she said that. I'm doing the same thing. Okay, but it kind of, in a way, it kind of contradicts a little bit of what she said up there uh, at the ver- at the very uh, beginning of her of her um, post. I still love them even though we don't agree, and I make it know what my beliefs are. Well, wouldn't that make you that very pain in the butt, that self righteous, judgmental pain in the butt that you just decried? She says the world doesn't revolve around me and my opinions. Okay, well, that's true, yet she's given us her opinion right now, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that because I'm giving you my opinion. All right. 
God granted us free will and we use it however we wish. Okay, fine. It's just my job as a Christian to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and pray for them. I agree. However, I do have to ask, are you sharing the gospel? Now, I'm going to be very careful when I say that because there are people who would ask me that question too. That's, a, that's, a, that's actually a subject matter for a, different, for a different podcast. So I'm going to move on a little bit. She is right. It's our job as Christians to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to pray for them. She says, I can't fix people. That's not my job anyways, and I thank God because I used to hold that responsibility on myself, and I tell you that it is a heavy burden that no one other than God is strong enough to bear. Okay, I'll agree with that. Nothing makes me more angry than to hear someone who is a Christian bash someone just because they sin differently than them. Now this right here is where I have to take issue. It appears, at least in this culture, just saying something is wrong. This is the woke mentality, by the way. Just saying that something is wrong is bashing someone. Just calling someone out for, or you don't even have to call them out. You can just simply say that something is wrong, and that's bashing them. In the uh, the Old Testament story of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot had become a pretty big guy in the city. And what is interesting is that when the two angels went to Lot's residence and the men of Sodom saw it, and it says in the Bible that the men of Sodom saw saw the two men who were actually angels but saw them as men, they wanted to have sex with them. That's what the Bible says. That And they all, they all gathered around Lot's house and demanded that he send those two out so that they could gang rape them, essentially. That's, that's, that's what they wanted. And this is what Lot said. He said, he, he came out and he, he said, guys, don't do this. You know, don't do this evil thing. And now you got to understand, he was a man of high position and, and high authority, and he was apparently well-liked in Sodom and Gomorrah. But when he came out and said that, this is how the men... Of Sodom reacted. They basically said, who are you to judge us? We'll treat you worse than them. So he went from being their ally to being their enemy just by coming out and saying, hey guys, don't, don't do this wicked thing. I'll, he even said that he'd offer, him, uh, offer them his daughters. I, I don't understand that at all, but that was the culture of the time, I guess. But he was, he very clearly said, guys, don't do this wicked thing. He wasn't bashing them. He was simply saying, this is a wicked thing. Don't don't do this. Here's an alternative. Don't do this. And they turned on him. And they said, who are you to judge us? We'll treat you worse than we're going to treat them. I can only imagine. So, and, and this, this, this idea of bashing someone just because they sin differently than you. That is a virtue signal if I've ever heard one. Now, I said at the outset of, of this podcast, uh, as I was starting with this, 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 um, this post, yes, we're all sinners. And so my question then becomes, is there ever anything that we dare say is wrong? 
is because we're all sinners, therefore we can't ever call somebody out for anything. You know, I might have sinned in some way. I might have told a, a little lie here or might have um, said something heretical or unmeaning, but I might have said it or whatever. Whatever sin that you, some kind of petty little sin. So therefore, because I've done that, or maybe I was, I had the wrong spirit and anger and I said something that I shouldn't have said that was hateful or spiteful or whatever. So therefore, I shouldn't call out another sin like, I don't know, extortion or robbing somebody or a child molester or ra- I've used those examples before and I know they're extreme and they're meant to be extreme examples, but it still makes my point. I can't call them out. I can't say that what they're doing is wrong because I have some little little sin in my life. Therefore, anything I say against any sin is impotent. That, that I don't buy that. I think that's nonsense. Just because somebody sins differently than me. I don't have a right or an obligation to say that something's wrong. Yes, whatever sin that is in my life has to be dealt with. And I'm sure if you've been following Christ for any length of time, the Holy Spirit's going to let you know when you've done something wrong. Like I said, we're all in this flesh, and we're all subject to failure. And we're all subject to, we're bound to sin. I think it's also a sin to ignore sin when we see it. I I really do. And I, I have an issue with someone making that statement. I've seen that statement many, many times. I don't have, and so my question is, I don't have a right to say something is sin because I have a sin in my life. I don't buy that. Now, she goes on to say, when did you become so high and mighty to sit there and look down on others? Okay. Now, before you start condemning me for not shunning people that don't fit your standards of feeling the love of Jesus, whatever the heck that means, take a good long look at yourself and ask yourself, why are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian because I realized that I was lost and on my way to hell. I realized that I needed Jesus. Now, I realized also that there are those out there who don't necessarily agree with that, that and I'm not here to argue, I'm not here to argue Calvinism versus Arminianism or anything like that. I'm simply saying that however you view salvation, the realization came that I was lost and I needed a savior. All right. And I didn't want to be under condemnation. Okay. That's why I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because I don't want to spend eternity in hell. Okay, you might not agree with that statement. You may not like it. You may think that's a wrong motivation. Well, that's also an issue for another podcast. All right. So anyway, <clears throat> I don't commit. I don't. I don't shun people that don't fit my standards. Okay, my standards are based on Christ's standards, and so therefore there are going to be people that I'm going to have to shun. There are people that I am going to have to avoid. There are people, at least at a certain level, okay? You know, there are, I have friends, well, I, I don't know of any, I don't know if I have any friends who are prostitutes, okay? But 
if I did have an associate who happened to be, I wouldn't be found alone with that person. I wouldn't be found on their side of town, certainly not by myself anyway. I wouldn't be found in situations where it even appears that I am utilizing their services. Okay, so yes, I have a right, I have an obligation, I should say, to shun certain associations. Okay, I don't think anyone is condemning her for not shunning people. I don't think anybody's doing it. I'm not doing it either. If you choose to associate with certain people, fine. But I would venture to say that there are going to be some people that you associate with that it's going to affect your life. And when it starts to show in your life, caring people are going to address it. Real friends are going to say, you know, I need to talk to you about this habit that you now have. Or I'm going to, I want to talk to you about this mindset that you now have. Because it's very clear that this mindset was developed because of your associations. So I don't think that's condemnation. And she goes on to say, because Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy. Okay, that's true. Jesus came for the imperfect, not the perfect. Okay. Jesus dined with sinners, not the perfect. Jesus, not the perfect. Okay. Yes, Jesus dined with sinners. But that's not the only people he dined with, by the way. Uh, When I say that, I mean that there were people who didn't do the things that we typically call, say, what sinners do. If you want to say sinner, Jesus dined with sinners, that means he dined with everybody because everybody's a sinner. Okay? So you can't, on the one hand, try to make a distinction between righteous people and sinners and then turn right around and say, we're all the same. Either we are or we're not. Okay. She goes on to ask, uh, she says, uh, Jesus died for the sinners, not the sinless. Okay, yes, that's true. So there again is what I'm saying about the distinctions here. On the one hand, she uses the term sinner to make a distinction between those who do things that are really, really bad and those who don't. And then she goes right around and say, well, we, we're all sinners. So since we're all sinners, um, everything is equal. All sins are the same. Okay, which, by the way, I don't believe. I'm just going to state for the record, I don't believe that. I don't believe all sins are the same. All right, and I also will tell you that the scripture doesn't say that either, but okay. Um, Last I checked, Christianity is for imperfect people in need of a perfect Savior. Also, shunning someone has never brought someone to Christ, but instead has made people hate Christ. Hmm... I reserve the the right to call baloney on that. Um, shunning someone has never brought someone to Christ. Mm, no, I don't. I I think you can't make that blanket statement. All right, has it made people hate Christ? You know what? There are people that hate Jesus. Just because he's Jesus. Alright? Not because they were shunned. 
there are people I, I I see it all the time. You speaking of Facebook, I go to Facebook and I read the comments, and there are people that hate Jesus. They hate the idea of God, and it's not because they were something bad happened to them. It's because they want to hate Jesus because Jesus represents a challenge to their lifestyle. Christians Christians don't have to be bad and that's kind of the somewhat of the thesis I'm trying to get at here is that Christians don't have to do anything. We don't have to quote unquote misbehave in order for the world to hate us. Jesus said himself that the world is going to hate us just because of him. We don't have to do anything. The world is going to hate us. So I don't buy that nonsense. Okay? Yes. We Christians sometimes I'll, I'll say this I'll I'll, I'll give it I'll, I'll give it a, her a little bit of credit. There are things that Christians have done over the course of history that have been really really bad. Okay, there have been there have been misbehaving Christians who misrepresented. Even the Bible addresses this. I forget where it is, but I think it's an Old Testament passage, and it says something on the line that they despise God because of you, because of those of you misbehaving, because those of you setting a bad precedent for the believers. You're bad examples. You, um, you, you malign Christ. You malign God by your behaviors in front of non-believers, and so non-believers will shun Jesus. I agree with that. Okay? I, I agree that that does happen. However, it's not the only cause. Alright, so now uh, I'm, I'm going to go on with what, um, what she says here, and then I'm going to kind of ask a couple of questions. Alright. She says, keep in mind your actions reflect bad, back on God. Well, that's true. Uh, love is what plants a seed, not arrogance. She arrogantly states. Okay. She says, this doesn't mean I support the sins my friends do. Heck, I don't even support the sins that I do. Okay, fine. Uh, she goes, yeah, I said it. I'm a sinner, but that's why I need Jesus. Okay, well, that's true. She goes, a Christian is a sinner who needs Jesus. So just because I don't support the sins others do doesn't give me the right to hate them but instead love them even more. Okay, and there she's back on that that whole mindset of it doesn't give me the right to hate them. Okay. I'll I'll go on record as saying even calling out certain sin, sins as sin is not hate. It's not hate to say that something is wrong. Now, you can be hateful in doing that, but it's not wrong to say that something's wrong. It's not hate to say that something's wrong. Okay. She goes, think back to every single sin you've ever made. Would you want God to treat you how you treat, how you treat others who are just as filthy as you are? Okay. So she continues on that line of thinking. So I just have a couple of questions. And uh, I, I've, I've written down a list of about 10 questions that I just have to ask. So, so my question is, after reading all that, 
Do you hang out with all sinners? I'm, I'm asking her this, even though I'm, I'm kind of being rhetorical here. So put yourself in her place if you feel the need. So I would ask you, do you hang out with all sinners? I think it's a fair question. Do you hang out with all sinners? I mean, I said, or do you only hang out and love the sinners that are popular to, for you to love? And well, think about that question for a second. Do you, if you, if you agree with everything that she has said, my question is not only to her, but to you. Do you hang out with all sinners? Every one of them? Do you hang out with the serial killer? Do you hang out with the rapist? Do you hang out with the misogynist? Do you hang out with the... Um, uh, do you hang out with the, uh, the thief? With the extortionist? Do you hang out with the abuser? Or do you shun these people? I mean, after all, we're all sinners, right? Or do you only hang out and love the sinners that is popular for you to love? And actually, I would probably rephrase that question and, and say, do you only hang out and love the sinners that love you? Because that's really what this boils down to. It sounds to me like she's trying to justify her hanging out with her non-believing friends, which is fine. She doesn't have to justify that. None of us have to justify who we hang out with to a certain extent. Um, that kind of, that kind of, I would even go ask this, do you hang out with all, when I ask her, do you hang out with all sinners? Do you hang out with the uh, white supremacist? With the Nazi sympathizer? Do you hang out with them? Or is that a dangerous association? You know, if we're going to talk about hanging out with all sinners, well, guess what? The white supremacist needs Jesus too. The the racist needs Jesus too. But I guess it's okay to shun them, right? I mean, I guess that's a sin that we can shun, right? All right. <clears throat> Question number three. Since we're all sinners, and that's the reason that you use to browbeat the rest of us for shunning or excoriating certain types of people, does that not mean that you won't shun certain types of sinners? Those that don't fall under the popular sins you feel sorry for? Think about this for a second. You, uh, are, there, are there popular sins that are okay in your book? I mean, I'm just responding to her her post. That's all I'm doing. I'm just responding to the, the questions that she posed. And I have to ask, um, are you okay with certain types of sinners? And that's what bothers you, was that when other Christians say, yeah, I'm not going to have an association with that kind of person, 
Does it bother you because you do? I mean, are are these the popular sins that are okay to love? All right, question number four. Since the auspices of your desire is to share the gospel with sinners, does that include the racist, the white supremacist, the serial killer, or the child molester? How about a rapist? How about if he was your rapist? Don't Don't those folks need the gospel too? Don't they deserve your association too? See, when you start to turn things into a personal, when you start to personalize things, it doesn't quite become so easy to answer these questions. Question number five. You might conclude that I am utilizing extreme examples trying to compare homosexuality with murder. I'm not. You are the one setting up the standards for who the rest of us should associate with because, as you have said, we're all sinners. Therefore... Since we're all sinners, and no one is better than another, should we as Christians ought to associate with any sinner, no matter what the sin is? Or is, it that, or is that just something you say to the rest of us to shame us for making sober and reasonable judgments over who we're going to associate with? I think it's a fair question. Are you trying to shame us and when I say you, I'm, 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 I'm speaking to those who sympathize with her, her thinking on this. Okay. You know we have to make reasonable judgments. You know, especially if you if you're a parent, and you have children. Uh, I remember growing up, and there were people. <laughs> there were people that my parents said. You're not hanging out with that person. You're not going there. You're not watching this movie. You're not doing this. Obviously, as a excuse me, as a child or as a teenager, naturally I didn't agree with my parents' call, but my parents weren't interested in my opinion because their job was to protect me. Their job was to protect my brother and I from evil associations and evil situations, even if they seem to be innocent on the outside. I remember uh, one time I went over to give a guitar lesson to a, to a friend of a friend, and while I was there, I didn't know this at the time, but my, my friend, my new friend, had gotten involved in, in drugs, and apparently his mother had caught him or had suspected and um, when I came over, I think it was like the second time I had visited, his mother approached me and said, you're that skinny guitar player, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She goes, um, I don't want you to be giving my son uh, marijuana. Like, Excuse me, what? And she was, she was, uh, she believed that I had been giving her son pot and I'd never I never touched the stuff I'd never been you know I I was <laughs> I wasn't even around it and or if I was around it I was unknowing uh, I wasn't willingly around it anyway I never did anything and I I told I told uh, ma'am I 
I don't even touch this stuff. Well, naturally, she's not going to believe me. And she and I said, "Ma'am, you can search my you search my guitar case. You can search me. I mean, I don't ever do that stuff." And she regarded me with nothing but suspicion. Was it unfair? Yeah, it was kind of unfair. But at the same time, I looking back on it, I kind of understand. She was in protection mode. She was. Um, she she didn't believe what a sixteen year old long haired teenager had to say. She knew that her son had gotten involved with something that she didn't want him to be involved in. Now there's more nuance to that story and everything, but the point is that her she was she was definitely going to if she had I guarantee you if she had found drugs on me, uh I would have been hauled off. She would have called the police. But our, my friend and I's association was extremely limited because his mother believed that uh, she was trying to find out where he was getting his drugs from. And, well, I guess I looked like the type. And, yeah, it was unfair. And, yeah, it was judgmental. And you know what? She didn't care. And... I can say as a parent now, I kind of don't care myself. Of course, my, my kids are now you know, adults, but still, uh, you, there's a, there comes a point where you don't really care what other people think. you got to do what you have to do. Anyway, that's kind of going off on a tangent here. Um, <clears throat> but we have to make reasonable judgments. We have to, we have to make sure that, that uh, and, and we can't always be concerned with whether or not people like us because we make those judgments. All right, uh, question number six. Um, isn't it kind of arrogant to try and shame others for choosing to disassociate themselves from certain groups that have objectionable behaviors or practices? And that really, that question right there is my main, I guess my main question, or one of my main questions is, aren't you kind of being arrogant and trying to shame the rest of us for calling out certain objectionable behaviors? There has to be a point where we have to say something is wrong. And naturally, the world is going to look at us and call us arrogant because of it. Um, okay, question number seven. Aren't there people whose sins that you treat as filthy, filthier than other sins? Would you be as free to justify your association with them? Would you be okay with the rest of your fellow Christians associating with sinners that don't fit your template? She called us out on our template. She called us out on our quote-unquote standards. But yet, she doesn't question her own. Would she be okay with one of her friends hanging out? You know, let's let's say she she found racism particularly distasteful, which we all should. But let's say she had a she had a friend who was the friend of a KKK member. Would she be okay with that? 
Would she practice what she preaches? <clears throat> All right. Question number eight. And I'm going to address that whole shunning people. She, I ask, shunning people has never brought someone to Christ? You have obviously not read the entirety of Scripture. The Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote all about grace and mercy, actively said that we should shun sinners. In fact, Paul said that with some, we're not even to eat with them. Paul also said that he handed over to Satan certain sinners for the express purpose of shaming them to repentance. How can you reconcile with what you said with what the with these biblical facts? You know, the very guy who wrote all about grace, the Apostle Paul, actively said that we should shun sinners. Now, he was pretty specific on certain kinds. And that's one of the reasons why I don't believe that the Bible teaches that all sins are the same. But that's, you know, that's a debate for another time. But... It is a fact that Paul said we're not even to eat with certain people. And in those days, eating, having having a meal with somebody was association. I mean, that was part of the culture. And Paul also said that he handed over to Satan certain people who were misbehaving so badly that he had to he had to let them let them be back in the world for the attention to be taught. You, you, if you if you know the story of the prodigal son, it's interesting that the uh, when the the younger son decided that he wanted to go out in the world and do his you know take his inheritance and go out in the world and do his thing. The father let him do it. And when he ran out of money, of course he ran out of friends, and he ran out of food, and he ended up uh, he ended up, you know, serving in the pig pens of the as, as it the citizen of the far country, meaning someone who was not a Jew, someone who actually despised the Jews. And gave him a job doing the most, the the menial, demeaning, uh, filthiest work. And it says in it says in the story that he finally came to himself when he realized that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating, the slop that the pigs were eating. He came to himself, is what the scripture says. He came to a realization. Hey. My dad's servants eat better than this. You know, sometimes God uses the 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 evils of the world, the the the, the dispassionate um, unfairness of the world to teach us a lesson. <clears throat> and I think that the Apostle Paul literally when he said he handed him over to Satan, it's not like he, he had a meeting with Satan and said, okay, I'm going to let you have this guy. He just, he finally decided that, you know what? The best thing that, the best thing that can happen to this guy is for him to go back to the school of hard knocks. 
and learned that, you know what, the world doesn't love you either. And so we're going to let you, uh, we're going to let you uh, suffer a little while and you'll realize how good you had it. So the Apostle Paul did that, and that's why I dispute this whole idea that shunning people has never brought people to Christ. Mm, yeah, people have come to themselves when they've come, when they've gotten to the end of themselves, and they realize that they need uh, Jesus in their lives. And I'll tell you this: I have I personally experienced this in my life, where I have shunned people. Not hated people, shunned people who, you know, I said, oh, I, I, can't, I can't be associated with you because of this situation. And it might be six months, a year, five years, even ten years. It might be people that I thought are no longer, I've ne- I'll never see again in my life enough come back to me and said, you know what? That was the bravest thing that anybody could have ever done. That was the best thing you could have done for me. And I had, I had, you know, I won't say written them off, but I had figured that I would never see this person ever again in my life, except maybe in passing. And, but there are people who have come back to me. And I have done this too, by the way. I've gone back to people who, shunned me and then years later I'll have you know I have changed and I have rethought where I was at you know I may have done something stupid when I was young and I see this person and I go you know I want to tell you I'm sorry for what I did to you and they're like I don't even remember that there are a few that have you know but there are people that have come back to me and said that there, or I've seen their lives changed, and then I'm like, you're not the same person that I remembered. Yeah, and you know what? You are the reason why, because of something you said to me. And I'll remember and go, well, as I recall, that you weren't very happy with me when I said that. And they're like, no, but that's exactly what you needed to do. And I'm glad that you had the courage to do it. I think sometimes we have to have courage in order to step up and say something is wrong and we need to say it to our friends uh, and we need to say and, and we need to be prepared to lose a friendship over it. I'm sure the Apostle Paul lost a lot of friends and I don't recall anywhere in the scripture where the Apostle Paul was labeled by God as arrogant or had a sinful attitude because he simply called it like it was. All right. <clears throat> and so, again, I ask, how does she reconcile what the Bible says about what the Apostle Paul did with the idea of shunning people has never brought someone to Christ? I think that's baloney. All right. Uh, question number nine. How do you reconcile what the Bible says about bad company corrupts good character? I do think that there are things we should avoid. I do think that there are the company of certain people is something we should avoid. Now, I do believe that we have to We have to be careful in how we do that. 
I do think that every situation is different. I also think that uh, I don't want to put a blanket statement. I don't think we should avoid all of this or all of that sometimes. You know, I, like I've said it at the opening of this, I have friends who are non-believers. And I'm not offended by them. I'm not offended by uh, what they say or do. They know that I'm a believer. They never force me to do anything that I don't want to do. I enjoy being with them. But I'm also not unaware of certain things that I have to say no to. If you're not strong enough to say no to certain things, then maybe you should avoid these situations. Bad company does corrupt good character. I mean, a great example of that are gangs. Gangs, actually, if, if you were to join a gang, they will expect you to do something criminal. As a matter of fact, they'll consider it disloyal if you don't. <laughs> so that's probably an association you ought not have. All right, and my last question is, how come, quote-unquote, judging is the only sin that you're willing to openly call out? And I kind of want to wrap up this podcast with a commentary on that. How come judging is the only sin that people are willing to call out? Think about it. It seems to me that the the only you know the world doesn't apparently doesn't believe that anything is a sin except judging others that's the only biblical principle that they seem to be willing to believe and apply everything else is fair game everything else you can do but you can't judge anybody else and we christians have started to buy into the world's mentality on that Okay, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Judging, we, we judge all the time. We judge, we judge people's character all the time. We judge, when you're driving down the road, you're making judgments constantly. You have to. You cannot navigate this world without making judgments. What the Bible condemns is unrighteous judgment. What the Bible condemns is unfair judgment. And false judgment. Okay? It doesn't condemn judgment. It condemns false judgment. It condemns unrighteous judgment. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example from the Bible. Uh, we know the Pharisees, uh, they found a woman committing adultery. And she had. Let's Let's... Let's, let's not sugarcoat it. She was caught in adultery. But the Pharisees brought her to Jesus, not because of her adultery, but because they were trying to trap Jesus. The Pharisees, I, I'm, I, I, if you read that story, the Pharisees, first of all, the Pharisees knew where to find this woman. 
Okay, they knew she was a woman of ill repute. I wouldn't even be surprised if some of them, now the Bible doesn't say this, so this is purely an assumption on my part, but I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those Pharisees had made use of her services. But they knew, they knew she was doing this, and apparently they were okay with it until Jesus came along. And they were looking for a reason, and the Bible even says, they were looking for a reason to trap Jesus. So, they were judging her adultery, not because of the law, but because they had, they, they needed something, it was politically expedient, uh, to because they were trying to use her as a pretext to trap Jesus. Okay? The second thing about that issue is that they didn't bring the guy that she was committing adultery with. Which, if they were following the law like they said they were going to do, it required both the man and the woman be stoned. So the judgment was supposed to fall on both the individuals participating in the activity. Okay? But they didn't do that. They didn't bring the guy out. They just brought her out. And again, I'll state that the reason why they did that had nothing to do with her sin. It had everything to do with their motivation to try and trap Jesus. So they they weren't they weren't even making this judgment on a morally pure basis. And that is something that the Bible condemns. Further, when Jesus said to her, after, you know, he, he bent down and wrote in the sand, and we don't know what he wrote. I imagine he probably wrote I, I think, I, I don't know this. And I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a theologian of any repute, so it's a a pure guess on my part. But I think he was bent down and he started writing the actual law down in the sand. I don't know if he was being sarcastic in his form of sarcasm. Okay, well, let's see. Well, let me write that down. Okay, the law says, and he probably wrote that down in the sand. Not only in front of the Pharisees, but also in front of the people who were gathered around with the stones in their hand, and being worked up in a, into a into a froth by the Pharisees. And Jesus wrote out the law so that everybody could see, and then he asked this question: Which one of you is without sin? Cast the first stone. Or it was a statement, not a question. If any of you be without sin, cast the first stone. So I think in writing down the law, if that's indeed what he did in the sand, I think he showed everybody was being a little bit hypocritical on this issue. And he tweaked their conscience. Now, then when he finally, you know, when everybody, you know, they threw the stones down and they walked away and there was nobody left. Not even the Pharisees weren't even there. And it was just Jesus and the woman. He says to the woman, is there anybody here to accuse you, to condemn you? And she goes, no, there isn't. He goes, well, neither do I condemn you. And then he says this. He says something very striking. He says, go and sin no more. He did not deny the fact that she was indeed caught in sin. Okay, she was, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't sugarcoat the fact that she had indeed sinned. She did. She had broken the law. But so did the Pharisees. So, well, so did her lover, 
had broken the law. He had also committed adultery. But he wasn't brought out to account. Okay? Only she was. And the Pharisees broke the law because they didn't bring out both individuals, as the law stated they should. And all the people that were worked up in a froth, who were more eager to see an execution, you know, the, the, the people were there, they, were, they, were, they weren't there because of pure motive. They weren't there to cast the evil from among them. They were there to, they were there because of the drama. They were part of the, they were the mob. And so they didn't have pure intent. And the Pharisees were trying to use the law to promote an injustice. And that was to trap Jesus. So it was, you know, I imagine this this whole thing, the whole idea about um, judging being the only sin that people will call out is, is not based in proper perspective. Like I said before, we judge all the time. We make judgments all the time. We're supposed to make judgments all the time. But we're supposed to make righteous judgments. We're supposed to make proper judgments. And that's the problem. We, we, have, a, we have a justice system in this country that's not making proper judgments. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. So anyway, I want to wrap this up with that final question. How come judging is the only sin that you're willing to openly call out? And in my view, with all due respect to my friend who I know and I know this person and I'm not interested in trying to, I'm not trying to mock or anything like that, but I have to ask these important questions and with all respect to her, aren't you being a little bit arrogant yourself? Aren't you being a little bit, you know, you're, you're calling the rest of us out but you don't like to be called out, you know, you're doing very, the very same thing. And it's, it's not so much I'm directing this to her as I am directing it to everyone who thinks like this. And so I would ask you, do you hang out with all sinners? I'm talking to Christians now. Do you hang out with all sinners? Or is that just something that you say to justify your own associations? Do you just select a few that happen to be popular and that you want to be associated with? You know, I'm going to... I'm trying to find something that will wrap this into a nice tidy bow, but I guess I'll say it like this. What if this was somebody famous... What if, what if you were friends with somebody who was really famous, you know, a famous musician or a famous actor or a famous politician, you know, someone who had fame and you were friends with them and you enjoyed all the perks of being friends with them and you had a closeness with them and they committed one of these sins. You know, I mean, something even heinous. Would you be inclined to uh, look the other way? Would you be inclined to, because remember, they're, you know, they're your friend. And there's all sorts of benefits. Or would you be brave enough to say, 
you know what, I'm sorry, but I can't be associated with you anymore because you can't do this. Now, I'm not talking about canceling people. That's a whole different thing, and that's going to be another, it's going to be another podcast for another time. But my question to you is, is your motives really as pure as you make them out to be? Are you, are you saying that uh, if you were friends with someone who was really, really... I, there was a... there was a am trying to remember his name. He was a pop star. He was a rock star from the 60s or early 70s. Probably early 70s. His name was Gary Glitter. And I don't remember what his real name is. But apparently, he had been charged with either child molestation or illegal sexual acts with a with a minor or having child pornography or something to that effect. I know it was really, really bad. His career was destroyed. He was completely, you know, he's been shunned by society and I don't necessarily I don't think that's bad. He's been shunned by society. Well my question is if you were personal friends with him at the time, would you come to his defense? Would you say the same thing to me? Well, I'll be a son of a gun. Now, here I am thinking Jesus died for us all, but because because we're all sinners. I did not realize that when you become a Christian, it makes you perfect. You know, I mean, the last time I checked, God never said, hate someone because they are gay. Well, I want you to plug in child molester. Yeah, I have people on my friends list that I do not agree with on what they believe. They do things I don't contone. But I will not shun or shame someone. Oh, really? What if it was somebody famous? What if what if you were um, personal friends with, well, I don't know, pick one. Katy Perry, uh, Madonna, John Legend. I don't know. Pick, pick anybody. Sammy Hagar. I don't know. Uh, Elton John. You, if you were friends with these people and they did something like Gary Glitter did, would you continue to justify your association? I mean, I'm just asking. I think it's a fair question, given what you've said to us in your diatribe. So anyway, um, those are just some of my thoughts on this issue. Those of you who are listeners who who know me personally and want to contact me, you know, if you have questions regarding this, uh, why don't you send them to me? I'll talk about it. Because I, I have to tell you, I really, really think that a lot, some of my Christian friends are, oh, I should say some of my Christians, some Christians that I know of who I am, that I am a Christian myself, um, quite frankly, I think they're kind of trying to justify certain things so that they don't feel guilty. I'm not saying they should feel guilty. I'm simply saying that you shouldn't try to make the rest of us feel guilty because maybe we don't see things quite the way you do. So anyway, um... That's my thoughts from the lawnmower on this day, the 20th of March, 2021. And I know I've been on a little bit of a hiatus. I'm trying some new things. And so I'm going to try and get back on the lawnmower and mow the grass a little more often. And I thank you for joining me. And I'll see you the next time. Bye.